first of hopefully many podcasts uh, where myself and my, my friend James are going to discuss um, a number of topics over the, over the coming weeks, um, some which um, I feel that some people may take for granted. We kind of want to ask the questions why and kind of get to the bottom of why things are the way they are and and get people's views and opinions on how they feel about those certain things. So I'm I'm Nick, and this is this is my friend James. Say hi, James. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, hoping to uh, have some good conversations. Hoping that you can uh, will enjoy listening to them, and uh, that yeah, well, through interaction we can uh, expand on these topics. As I feel, debate is a bit of a dead um, art form, and uh, discussion as well. And respectfully disagreeing are also um, in low supply nowadays. Anyway, sorry, you just said you just told me to say hello, hello everybody. <laughs> you're all good. You. You're all good. No, you're absolutely right. I think I think debate is a very, um, very under um, under exercised um, tool that that's gone gone unused for a long time. And I think a lot of people need to feel a bit more happy just to have their opinion, but know how to go about. Um, putting that across in a way that's constructive so that people can respect that but also know that they're free to have their own opinion as well um mm. so i thought we'd we start with a, a soft topic i know that i'm aiming for aiming for us to discuss certain stronger to- topics down the road but i thought we'd start with something a little bit um softer um so we're going to start discussing um like royalty its origins um why it kind of exists and what it means to people um and uh, because i i know through growing up um in the uk like we've we've got a royal family and it is um highly respected throughout the world um but i've always just grown up with it being there it's a thing that has always been there and um I know a lot of people around me don't necessarily um, respect the royal family. I mean, I don't personally have a problem with the fact they're there. I just, I've always been one of those people that kind of go, "Why is this one family kind of like, um, like well, apparently it's... ruling the world or ruling the country and the Commonwealth or whatever else? How did they get there?" Um, so it's very much a symbolic kind of position at the moment. But oh, sorry, we'll 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 get to that in a minute. Um, it's. It's interesting that technically we are a dictatorship, but I know for a fact the moment the royals step too far out of line, they would be deposed. It's I, I imagine it's actually not a pleasant life for them. It's very much a gilded cage, and the moment you step off that um, that knife edge, you you fall, and it's uh, for example like the controversy around. Meghan and Harry, they've lit... I'm not going to say they've done nothing wrong, but what I'm going to say, in the grand scheme of royalty, in the grand... or in, in the historical context of what deposed princes or um, members of the direct royal family can do, the controversy surrounding them at the moment is entirely a man-made well any ma- any controversy is man-made but it's very much a generated media storm about very little if i'm honest with you i'd i would actually go as far to say possibly nothing you know yeah i mean if you think about it from 
let's 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 revise the humanity of the matter. And this is a man and his wife who, like, the man was born into this family with no real, yeah. like, no real claim, especially now that William has had children, and no mm. real claim to any kind of rites of of passage, shall we say, that has has married his his love and wants to live his life, and for doing so has been. Um, like the media has has painted a certain picture of of um, almost like borderline um, treachery um, for his mm. position as a prince and 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 the royal royal family. Like I can't help but think sometimes that like if I was a royal, I'm a very strongly opinionated person, as I'm sure you'll you'll come to you'll come to learn over the coming weeks. Um, like I would I would really struggle in in Harry's position not to stand on the on the on the hilltop and kind of scream who the hell do you think you are to tell me that I shouldn't be living my life you know um yeah well there there are different avenues through doing that and i guess his three part book deal and docu- and documentary series with netflix is his own way of doing that but it's kind of frustrating that there is a monetary um, connection there. He is going to be paid for doing this, and it just kind of—it's uh, annoying because Harry has fought in our military. He has fought in our wars, but it's—it—it it just like if he really wanted privacy and stuff, then he wouldn't use these tools. As a way of making money, you know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. Would... I think growing up, if you think about the two boys when they were growing up, um, William was yeah. very much growing into the the uh, middle to upper class icon, um, very mm. approachable, down to earth, but stately, um, and and Harry was very much the lad. He was the commoner's person, wasn't he? Much like his mother. Um, she, not that she was a, a, the commoner's person, but she was very down to earth. She was all, all too happy to, to, shall we say, get her hands dirty and um, like get on, get on, for lack of a better term, the commoner's level um, mm. with them. And Harry was very much the same. Like He showed that. For Christ's sake, he, he dressed up as a Nazi at a fancy dress party one year, didn't he? Got in so yeah. much trouble for that. Like, he 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 did the the weird thing is back then it wouldn't surprise me if other people did the same thing and it, uh, it's all about context isn't it mm. if you if you go to a local and oh let's all dress up as historical figures and you show up as gerbils but you know it's a context where everyone's going to be fine with it mm. then it's fine yeah However, walking to there, if you pass somebody in the street (laughs) who chooses to punch you in the face, that's a grey area. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess it's it's frustrating because... But let's be be fair, he didn't dress up as Hitler. He didn't dress up as the Nazi. He dressed up as a Nazi, symbolising the movement. A movement which still exists to this day, I might add. 
Um, with, with Annoyingly, England did have a Nazi party yeah. uh, run by somebody who was first a Conservative, then a Labour, then chose to use that vehicle of fascism as a way of doing it. Like, we'll, uh, we'll call him indecisive. Um, yeah, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Passionately indecisive. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a question for you. Um, do you know... And this is something that I was I was avidly looking up, which is what led to me asking you if you wanted to, if you wanted to get in, get on board with a few podcasts. But do you know um, who who was the first ever royal leader, not of the UK, but the first historical, the one like the first person that was a a king or leader of some description of like monarchical um, power, the first one of of history. Okay, so I know um, from my from my own readings of the Bible, I know that I know some a lot of old kings, so I can tell you who it's definitely not. <laughs> Annoyingly, it doesn't actually go back as far to say the first one. Now, is it the first person who called themselves a king at all, or like an emperor, like? I, d- I don't know, because there's so many titles where somebody claims to be royal. I guess the whole invention of title would have... The first one would have been chief, and then chief yeah, so I think if you go back as far as what we know um, in historical contexts, um, mm. when you're building it based on tribes and things like that, obviously, like the way that we we picture that humanity evolved um then yeah i suppose the leaders would have been chieftains or or um uh, chieftains or, or or grand chiefs or who, whoever but no that i'm talking um Long an king. actual person that was a king for lack of a better term a ruler um mm. and is the first person that um is known to be a leader outside of mythological past. So this is kind of on the borderline of mythology. Like, that's how old he is. Um, But we know he was a real person because we found the grave and we we found the scriptures that put him where he was. Um, Do you know who that was? I'll be honest with you. I don't have a clue. Who was it? So the first ruler, the, the first... Um, acknowledged ruler in history that isn't mythology um, was Sargon of Akkad um, so obviously the Akkadian, Akkadian Empire um, in Sumeria and Mesopotamia oh, okay so like modern day Iraq and Syria mm, yeah like um, 23rd century BC he died so we're going back prior to the days of Moses yes um, yeah yeah yeah, so a long, long time ago, and this is, yeah, he reigned mm. from uh, like twenty twenty third century, twenty three thirty four to twenty two seventy nine BC. I've got it written here. Um, yeah, was the first leader of the Akkadian Empire. Okay, and what? What? Sorry, let's repeat his name, and then could you go on to explain Barden. Sargon. That? Sargon. Sargon. Yeah. That's a brilliant name. That literally sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But I do, I do, you know, sorry. That is, that is history for you. And I do like that Sargon. Okay. Um, other than the fact that he was the first king, do you know much about his rule or what Oh, all I know is that he was the first, 
Um, he was one of the first um, great empire builders, it says. So he conquered all of southern Mesopotamia, like Syria, parts of Syria, Anatolia as it was, and Elam, mm. which is part of uh, western Iran. Um, so mm. yeah, that that kind of, where they, they hypothesised the uh, Garden of Eden was that area there. Well, it does, in, again, in like the book of Genesis, it does talk about um, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Mm. So that really puts puts like a solid location and, and you can always argue like the poeticness of these things but we'll get onto that at a different thing during yeah different yeah that's yeah. It, that's in, that's interesting though okay yeah so he, right, was, that he was, was the that first was... king but obviously um that was the first king in the world um mm. the first king that we've got that as i said wasn't mythological um but i i also um, I also quite heavily let like lean on um, mythology as well. I think there's always elements of truth within mythology as well. well. Yeah, I, I've heard. Well, I've heard that um, like a lot of the Greek pantheon were was based on tribal leaders of mm. those original settlements. You know, mm. so like there was a Athena or Athena at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. There was a yeah, there was a Ares. There was, you know, there yeah. were there were these people. Absolutely. Um, and if you're talking Greeks, then obviously, if you if you go along the line of uh, Plato, he mm. um, he told us about the ancient, um, what now is classed as the mythological cities of like Atlantis and that. And Atlantis mm. was apparently um, built by the god Poseidon, um, and um, was led by. Um, was led by the king Atlas, which was his son, his first son. Actually, he had seven sons, and the seven cities of Atlantis were all led by his sons, but the main capital um, was um, kinged by Atlas. Um, and on um, on another interesting note, the first king of Mauritania in Sahara, like that kind of area in Africa, mm. um, his name, the first ever king of Mauritania, was... Uh, was Atlas. Interesting. Hence why you have the Atlas Mountains along the northern ridge of uh, of, Atlas, of uh, Africa. Well, that's brilliant. I, I will just throw out a fact here, just because, you know, you, like, you've clearly done a lot of good research here, and I'm f- obviously on a bit of a back foot, so I definitely am going to prepare more for the next one. Um, I find interesting that the word Sahara literally means desert. Yeah. So when they when people say the Sahara Desert, you're, you're literally saying, desert, saying desert, yeah. the desert desert. Yeah, yeah. And like apparently there's several yeah, there's several other things where that is the case, but mm. it really doesn't it somewhat surprises me that the King Sargon um was Mesopotamian was like Mesopotamian. I, I kind of would have assumed that um the first king would have been African. As, yeah, but I, I think, don't know. Genetically, we mankind they say started that the, the birthplace of the birthplace of humanity was in Africa, don't they? Um, yeah, exactly. Whereas the oldest um, civilization or or signs of civilization is actually mm. around Turkey and Syria and that area. Um, I don't know if you heard of Gobekli Tepe. Um, it's I I haven't. I know that there's a donkey jaw 
which has the first signs of marks in it, mm. which seems to be a counting system. Mm. So, um, you know, you know Stonehenge, right? The upright yep. stones that were placed, they're about 6,000 years old. Um, well, there are, there's, Gobekli Tepe is a construct, like a city almost, of um, upright stones in um, in Turkey. Um, and they've carbon dated. Man. The best thing about it is that this, this entire city of 20 tons stones that have been like perfectly placed in the ground and oriented north, which going back as far as they they were um like was almost unfathomable um is actually 11,000 years old it is incredible crazy the fact so, that they had the, so, the so do you think that although sargon is the closest thing that we have to a historical truth of a king mm. They must have had some form of absolutely. Government. This is why I go kind of like towards mythological um, past because um, I think relying Those times purely did exist. exactly yeah, and um, I mean there has to have been civilization before. If you think um, if you think fourteen thousand like fourteen thousand years ago, we were coming to the end of the ice age. How much change went on in the world during that time? I mean, for the next two thousand years, there were like there was pockmarked with other comet impacts, apparently, which mm. um, caused massive floods all over the world. Um, how much land was washed away, and how much civilization was washed away? Um, if what we're looking at now is is um, civilization um, starting, um, say eleven thousand years ago, um, then that ties in with the end of what they call the Younger Dryas, which is like the end of the Ice Age. There was a 2,000-year period uh, where um, temperatures were fluctuating, there were a lot of floods and stuff, and then it ended, and it started to get warm about 11,000 years ago. And if you think how much would have been stripped away and lost in that period of like um, of chaos, um, then history really would have only had a chance to be started again. 11,000 years ago, which means it's an open book before that, isn't it? Um, and all you've got is this word of mouth. Um, as I said about Plato's um, Plato's scriptures on Atlantis and, and what we've heard in mythology of Lemuria and other, other con continents that were said to have existed. Um, and obviously there's things oh. that science are looking at now that actually there may well have been a massive uh, continent that connected Madagascar, India and Australia all together, you know, that's now lost to sea. Um, oh, so, okay. so was, yeah. Was that part of, was it Pangaea? Was that the original like mega continent? I, I, know, but... I don't know exactly. I mean, I know, I know that history says that Pangaea, like the, the original continents were all together. Um, yeah. But, um, I know that I know that the, the continents necessar weren't necessarily all together and all land at the same time. So it might well have been that they were all together. Like all that you see now that is land would have been formed together in its own way. Um, but it's not necessary that necessarily that it was all one continent above land. There may well have been rivers and and seas that were that are now countries that are above land. Um, mm. So. Continents in their own rights are now completely lost under the ocean. Um, 
which, as I said, is that is part of that, that landmass that was between Madagascar, India, and Australia, which is why you've got kind of linking um, fauna and and flora that, that, that are similar in Madagascar as you have in, in Australia. You know, some of the most unique wildlife in the entire world in two of the most untouched places in the entire world. So, um, And the fact that humans existed in Australia... Um, when nobody had been there, you know, kind of makes you go, well, did somebody fly them there and just drop them off? Or did they have some other means to cross from where civilization was into this country and then get stranded there? Um, well, I think that, you know, there are always, there are loads of ancient stories of ancient chieftains who sail across seas in order to get places like it wouldn't surprise me if there was a slow migration um to australia you know like you've got indonesia and malaysia are like the world's i'm not sure if they're the largest archipelagos but like you've got loads of little islands there and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if over the course of you know, they say that, years, they you know, say like, that all of that was actually just, it was continent. It was land that was above above the sea. And then mm. like through the, the tectonic shifts of the planet, it, it got lost under the sea. And all that you've got left now is, as you said, the, uh, the archipelagos of, of like uh, Papua New Guinea and, and Malaysia and all of that. Um, mm. um, okay. Yeah, well, really it, interesting stuff. It's a fair point. And like... Um... I'm not sure if you know what we'll talk about Aboriginal culture. Another thing, they're actually one of my favourite um, native people groups. Mm. Um, just generally, their um, I think their, cult their, their culture of dream time stuff, um, which in itself, like even the wording of it, you know what? I'm not. I don't want to. Yeah, we'll we'll put a pin members, in that one because but, sounds yeah, like yeah. a really good topic to go over, and we'll we'll cover that in another podcast. But yeah. going back onto the uh, like the the royalty, um, obviously the royalty. There's always been leadership in society as far back as we know. Obviously, with Sargon of Akkad, with the Akkadian Empire. As soon as there was leadership, there was domination. There was like dynasty. There was mm. um, amazing things. But if you look at myth like mythological terms. They say, sorry, they say that um, leaders in in like the very beginning of humanity, outside of religion, shall we say, but inside of spirituality, um, they say that the royalty, the leaders, they were the oldest of the spirits that would guide souls into the physical realm, into the physical being, um, and help that soul then become like adjust into that that physical realm and that was their job that was why, why they were so important because they'd been in their physical form for so long and they had more experience than these newer souls that were just coming into being um, and they were given that status um, that sounds a lot almost like like okay so knowledge power and knowledge have always been revered in well i don't know i can't think of a single culture which has a disdain for either of those things for knowledge or for power um it sounds a lot there that like what you've described although that may very well have been the first um royals that almost sound, sounds like a tribal elder mm. yeah i mean um 
to think you've got to go back to the point like before you can't think of civilization um ancient ancient civilization in the same way that we think about civilization now so where there's quite a clear um hierarchy to our leaders now um before it would have been completely different so yeah like it would have been i should imagine it would have been more spiritual than it would have been um like dominance shall we say or or like you said earlier dictatorship and and like it would have been um almost um almost like teachers you know spiritual spiritual guiders um and that's why they were looked up to that's why they were they were revered because they had the knowledge that that you you wanted and you needed to survive um which absolutely makes sense i suppose when you think about science in in that the the survival of the fittest those with knowledge and those with those with intelligence would have had the power in themselves to to um survive better than those without it so they would have been looked up to and would have been respected and kind of in turn placed on their own proverbial pedestal hmm. no it's, it's 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 an interesting thing and is that a direct translation from which which language is that taken from and like which the, I don't know it's, which culture it's based on um it's based on there's sumerian i want to say sumerian texts that kind yeah. of put it along those lines but i i can't um i can't be sure it's one of those things that i i read it a long time ago and it kind of stuck in my head but who 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 where it came from has kind of slipped away with time you know but the fact like it, it was beyond um it was like almost like you know those fables word of mouth kind of um say uh kind of tellings um hmm. okay it's interesting. It's also interesting that I kind of that's that sounds somewhat credible because you know the first um, the first recorded or the first king that we have solid um, evidence of King Sargon was also from around that same area, not the same not the same place. And mm. I don't if, uh, if I have just offended anyone, I don't I don't mean to be by saying those two places are the same. But if you look at it globally, geographically, Samaria was fairly close to Mesopotamia. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. so, that's uh, that's interesting there. Okay, and like, when do you think this idea evolved? So what the the idea of of royalty? Yeah. So like, that's... when did it become less of a almost like spiritual parental? Um, I think along the along those lines, I think you've got, got to kind of bring in um, what we know of the human nature. Um, mm. So that would be um, when selfishness, shall we say, take took over, um, because royalty That's a pretty early on then yeah royal i mean it's part of human nature isn't it it's very so yeah. like humans are by their very nature are self-serving and i don't mean that in an offensive way i mean like it's survival of the fittest so you put if you, like i think it's part it's almost it's almost um instinctual to be that um 
if you end up being put on that pedestal, then you end up self-elevating, don't you? And after a while, that, that, that culture will grow into this, um, I am... I am a God and I am above you and therefore you are peasants and you are below me. And that's, that's kind of where it would like psychological, psych- psychologically lead. I don't know whether that would have happened over like a hundred years or whether that would have happened over 10,000 years. It, it, it's almost cause and effect, I suppose. Um, where if you give someone, if you give a person or a, a, a line of people, um, that power then inevitably at some point somebody will um, abuse that and turn it into um, dominance or an act of dominance in itself um, mm. but I don't it's not to say I mean that, that sounds like I I absolutely go against royalty not at all I think royalty itself has brought some marvelous things into the world it's also given um, those that need leadership leadership in order to do great and amazing things um, they've also done some incredibly stupid things over their time, so that they're not they're not um, they're not immune to that. So, order in and of itself, like uh, okay, so order generally is good, I think. But and then this is probably another topic for another thing. But order, I always see it as something which expands the potential for what's already there. If you've got a good heart and or if you've got a lot of good people and you expand order, what you get is people who are able to give more because things are more organized. If you've got people, if you've got a lot of aggressive people, then order enables them to become organized and you get. I don't know, you get military, you get your first military units at that point, you know, or your first kind of raiding parties mm. and things like that of, uh, of other cultures. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I think that I like order and I, but I also like freedom and I, you know what, like, I, I don't want to go too much off on a tangent here. I I agree with you in that I like uh, I like royalty because it it there's a clear it's not just a oh well what decision are we going to make well we're going to have a massive debate and then we're going to compromise and then we're going to come up with something that's half effective mm. with royalty and with like classical royalty you it's just like well what what's the the empire going to do well the emperor hasn't spoken yet when he's we'll bring it before him and we'll see what he decides yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean you you think um along the lines of like court itself and i don't mean court as in the judge and jury kind of court i mean court as in royal court people would bring problems to the king and the king would go well we're going to do this you know so even even um even when, during those times of, um, should we say, dictatorship by royalty, um, there was there was reverence and and um, almost dependency on that that stately figure mm. to guide and help the nation, and it was their 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 responsibility to um, 
support and and lead their subjects as it were so it wasn't I don't think it's always been there have been a number of bad leaders over the years um but with power will always come those people that take it um too far but I think when you end up with the leaders like we had our, our queen obviously that passed away recently um she was possibly the most um the most um personal queen that we've mm. or leader that we've ever had somebody that sought to um lead um lead the country with her heart more than with the iron fist of of leadership as it were um or at least that's that's the air that she gave off i suppose it's it's very interesting that like um, i hate to admit how much i've learned by watching seasons one to three of the crown (laughs) i i I hate the fact that i have genuinely learned things from that um i'm not going to indict i'm not going to endorse but it's just it's interesting that in that show they talk about the efficient which is parliament yeah and the dignified which is kind of like the whole the royalty yeah yeah the removing of royalty from the day-to-day dealings with governance Mm. um there are times when that can even be used to defang someone like in the the case of Mountbatten, mm. um, who was literally promoted to the point where he no longer had any control over the military because he was the head of the of the British military. Weirdly enough, at the same time. As, uh, but anyway, anyway, sorry, I'm not going to go to off one. But um, I yeah, I've got a lot of respect for um. Yeah, for our departed queen. Um, I realised that, you know, she wasn't perfect. She was somebody who was born. Um, Wasn't she born in the 30s? Like, you know, so she would have... Yeah, she was born in the 30s. She was 94 or 95 when she died. Um, Wow. And she'd reigned for 70 think 72 years i I don't think we're gonna get anyone top that for at least a while certainly not charles anyway um definitely not like it's 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 interesting with with elizabeth i i've got a lot of respect because she the times that she got involved like she you know there's not a huge the things that she did, she very much kind of had. She didn't get involved, and a lot of I'm worried that people, like hundreds of years from now, will see her as a terrible queen because she let countries walk out of the Commonwealth and out of what was left of the British Empire. I think, but I actually have a huge amount of respect mm, for that. Absolutely, I think to, if. To be able to let go mm, is good. I think if if um, society, sociological mentality stayed as as it as it was, I suppose, um, fifty years ago, um, then she could have been looked at, or even even further than that, say a hundred years ago. If if sociological mentality stayed the way it was a hundred years ago, like she would have been. 
um, deposed, I suppose, um, because mm. of that relinquishing of power. Um, but 21st century, um, yeah, it very much, color. absolutely very much, I think there's, there's numerous, um, numerous reasons why that she made the right decisions. You know, they are a people in their, their own right, and they, they were a subject of the, the Commonwealth, um, probably for the wrong reasons, really, because of the way that they were, um, the way they were um, conquered. Um, well, 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 we'll talk about, um, I imagine we'll, we'll talk about slavery, the triangular mm, trade, the gutting yeah, yeah. of, of Africa, because it, it's interesting at the, sorry, you know what, just really, really quickly. Yep. Before the slave trade, there's no way in hell we could have invaded Africa, the African nations. They were strong. There was too many of them, too few of us, all of that lot. Yeah. And it's just really interesting how... Um... You know what? No, no, we're going we're gonna to touch upon that upon another time. And also don't want to get your... your your thing banned but um it no no okay honestly, yeah, listen at some point we will cover that when we know yeah when we know the ground that we stand on and we know how far we can kind of go with with our yeah. discussions then we'll we'll go into a bit more tongue-in-cheek discussions because i've got a lot a lot that i want to bring up that um as okay, i said well, I, the, the main point of these podcasts is to challenge um not necessarily to say you're wrong but to say this mm. is this is a topic that not many people know or not many people question, but like we're going to really challenge it. We're going to get into the nitty gritty okay. of it and kind of. So it is definitely something that we'll go into, but let's let's tread carefully for now, anyway. Exactly. Um, um, okay. Well, let's bring it back it's... to something a bit more jovial. I, I um mm. I had a look at some um some silly. Um, I had a look at some silly rules that were brought in. I don't know if you want to hear some of those. Um, so leaders that had Absolutely. some of the stupidest laws. Okay. So Edward mm. III, did you know that he banned football? Was that something to try and get people to do more archery or is it because he was... You're on the right lines. You're definitely on the right lines. So football back then was a very violent game. There weren't the rules that there are today in the Premier League, etc. Um, mm. It was a very aggressive and violent game and there was no set like pitch size. Sometimes the pitches were two miles long um, and they would be played uh, with sometimes 50 or 60 people on the pitch. It was almost a mini war with a ball, like a, a bladder of... Of a live animal, or a dead animal, rather, um, that was being kicked about on this, and there were full-blown riots and fights that would happen. This bloke wanted to go to war. Edward the Third wanted to go to war, but so many of his people were being injured by playing football, <laughs> and so many of his people had died because of the Black Death that. He banned football because he couldn't risk losing more because he wanted to use them. <laughs> he wanted to use them in the war, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. That he wanted to go to war, so he had to ban football. <laughs> I, I love it because at that point, it's almost like, well, violence is wrong unless you're doing it in my name. Absolutely, but... yeah, yeah. Like you're not that's, allowed, a, that, that's a whole other. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to have sport and and beat the crap out of each other, um, like 
unless you're going to go and have sport on a battlefield for me and uh, do something for me. Um, Rule breakers, uh, interestingly, would receive six days in prison if they were seen. Um, they were seen uh, playing fighting. football. Yeah, or well, yeah, playing football rather, um, which is relative to getting a red card, I suppose. So um, not much has changed. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many people had a gallbladder of a goat or something just slammed on their tra- trading table yeah. and then were wrongly accused of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway. On the topic, okay, of, well, on the topic of sport, uh, you know, Henry, Henry VIII was a big tennis fan. Did not know that. No, and neither did I. Um, and James I um, made it illegal. This is on on a on a par with sport, but it's it's really interesting and absolutely ridiculous, right? Um, but he made it illegal for you to blow your nose in the street. And I think there's a line where you kind of go, oh, I can see, you know, COVID recently. I can kind of understand. Do you want to know why? Why was, was he... it? Was it a plague? No. Was it a plague? No. Really? No. It wasn't. For, it okay. wasn't because of the plague. It was because he wanted to protect the horses for Newmarket. Uh, <laughs> I've got several things I can say about that, but I'm I'm not going to because we're going to keep this civil. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, what can I say? Power really goes to some people's heads, right? <laughs> Oh, well, it's 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 interesting, you know, like when you've got these fictitious books, like um, yeah, like any of the Terry Pratchett stuff, they make jokes about these sorts of things where a king would ah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a, a king saw a cloud that a defend that offended him, so he demanded that his archers open fire upon it. Uh, Sixty-four people died in the city underneath the cloud. Jesus Christ! Um, you know, like you, you get those sorts of things, and it's just—it's annoying that it's a caricature, but it's not too far removed. Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. What's what, what's um what's the third? Uh, like these things normally come in freeze. Like what's the ne- what's the next ridiculous law that has been made up? So, uh, and I hope this isn't a trend that continues with the Charleses. But Charles II banned coffee. <clears throat> Charles... Okay, was the was that because too much of our money was going was kind of filtering back to the Middle East? Filtering. Or I like was... I like the use of the words there, but no, um, <laughs> um, no, unintentional. I'm afraid. <laughs> Charles II banned coffee and the use of coffee houses because he thought it led to um, conspiracies and um, people. Uh, beginning cohorts against him so he get, it gave people too much time to talk and when they talked they they realized that he was a bit of an idiot and and he didn't like that he felt threatened yeah. by it so he banned coffee you might as well ban telling jokes because you feel insecure that when people <laughs> are laughing they're laughing at you absolutely absolutely but i thought that was i thought that was i i, I thought that was quite apt i used to um used to be a barista in a coffee shop and that was one of the quotes of the day um, was that King Charles II banned coffee um, thank God mm. he didn't it didn't stand till today because otherwise I wouldn't have had a job at that time um, but yeah I thought that was that was some of the some of the most silliest of um, of rules that were brought out 
over history. Specific, specifically by royalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, mm. let's just say that all things that they've brought in to, brought us uh, have been good. And war, obviously, aside, some of their rules have been rather ridiculous too. Um, yeah, well, that's it. That's it. It's just, it's kind of, I love it as well because when it comes to uh, when it comes to war, when it comes to rules, when it comes to all of these things, it's always what you can get most people to obey mm. or to, at the very least to tolerate. And that's where I think there's there's a massive change between what is seen as acceptable monarchy nowadays and what what isn't you know like in in ancient times you'd literally uh uh you had the king of was it never i think it was nebuchadnezzar literally demanded that everybody bow down and worship a statue that he made and if you didn't the punishment was death yeah. or king herod who literally killed all of the babies under two years old in a certain city. Yeah, but also, like, you know that King Herod you try also... try and pull uh, that shit. You know, King Herod also murdered his own two sons. Did not know that. I know that Herod the Great had three sons, which, and um, annoyingly, he named... Oh, so many of the ancient lines do this as well. In order to create consistency, they named their sons the same name which just creates so much confusion. Like, Cleopatra, um, the one that's famous, was in fact Cleopatra the Seventh. And then you think, well, what happened to all the other Cleopatras? Some of them died, some of them were sisters, some of them were cousins. <laughs> but all of the people in that female line had the same bloody name. Yeah. So, like, so I'm wondering, Herod killed his sons. Which one? <laughs> I, I guess yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. So no, two of his sons he, he uh, murdered, but I didn't know he had three. But that shows, doesn't it? You look at certain research, and uh, it it covers certain points, but not everything. You know, um, which is yeah. why it's so important when you do your research and things like that that you are you look at multiple points because uh, multiple sources Absolutely. because uh, in the middle of all of these perspectives is the truth, and you'll never find the, you'll never find the truth directly from one source. So. Um, um, do you know how many sovereign states there are currently in the world? Oh, fantastic. Um, okay, so is this recognised by the UN or not recognised by the UN? This is this is um, recognised by the UN. Okay, and these this is anything where there is a sovereign state? Yeah, as, as in, in... king, um, sultan, you know... Um, Sheikh, I think, are some is one of the leaders. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. You know what? Although there are a lot of countries which are no, you know what? Sorry, the the 18th century, uh, sorry, the the 18th and 19th century happened. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna. 137. 137. Um, no, there are no. there are 43 recognised sovereign states in the world. Get out of town. That few. Yep. Like there's around there's over 200 countries. Yep. There are 13 in Asia. There are 12 in Europe. There are nine in the Americas. Six in Oceania, and three in Africa. Only three in Africa. Mm-hmm. 
That's really surprising. Yep. I could name them, but I'm not going to bore you with 43 different names. Um, needless okay. to say... Did you, did, do you have the free in Africa? What are the free remaining... Let me see. Let me see. This relies heavily on me knowing geography. Um... <laughs> is Maui still a... Is it Maui? Mal- Mali. Is Mali still a... Mali, uh, yeah, Mali. Still a, is that still a sovereign state? Because No. Oh, Malay. Okay. In Malaysia, yes. Oh, okay. They've got a... Let me see here. They have got a semi-constitutional monarchy. Hmm. All right, well, one thing I guess I wanted to... Uh, cover with you as well like i realize we will probably end up going massively over time but um you said um it's something about uh this podcast is you want to kind of like look at how how things are the way they are yeah okay so um something that i know or something that my brother is massively into is the formation of england yeah as a country out of the four states of Mercia, Wessex, uh, East Ang- West, yeah, exactly. Uh, East Anglia, Northumbria, yeah, like in th- those ones all forming together under a single family. Although, interestingly, like that that family in itself really struggled to. It was under Athelstan. That's it. King Athelstan, yeah. King Athelstan, and it's just like. So at at one point you had everybody who owned several tribes calling themselves a king, um, which I'm not. I don't know. I actually kind of I kind of get that. Like everybody needed some kind of order, and there was very little order you could provide. But simply knowing that a land. I guess it comes with the ideas of identity, but the fact that you had kingdoms changing, the land underneath it staying the same, but the people who live on the land identify themselves as a certain country. And because they identify themselves as a certain country, they then turn to a certain individual. Absolutely. In order, in order to rule them. Yeah. And I mean, that's even that. I mean, if you think about Mercia and Northumbria and Wessex and and East Anglia, like they were all countries post um, post Roman Empire. So like they were Anglo-Saxon. No, they were were they Anglo-Saxon? Am I thinking along the right lines? Well, there? They would have they would have been a mixture because it's really interesting to know that um, the Welsh were very very resistant to being romanized mm. but once they were romanized they also held on to it yeah. fiercely mm. which is why they've they're reluctant to change <laughs> well exactly but like they they held on to that culture as well and yeah. it's it's very interesting when like people say oh england you went all over the place and robbed the world and you're all evil oppressors and blah blah blah, blah. and i'm just like that's so short, historically short-sighted. Absolutely. I mean, yes. Or... Yes, yes, absolutely. The Great Great Britain, um, like as an empire, did 
did that. Yep. Um, things, yeah. So did the Mongols. So did the Romans. Mm. <laughs> you know, all we did every, was every... we just we just copied. You know, we just copied type. So let's Copy not let's not le- necessarily but, judge the English for for that. But but... It's 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 interesting though that like when you talk about what is English culture. Part of it is that monarchy, but that yeah. monarchy in itself has changed hands so many times. Yeah, even the monarchy and... isn't isn't um, thoroughbred English. If there no. is anything that you can state is thoroughbred English, I'm pretty sure in my bloodline I've got numerous different um, genetic codes from numerous different places in the world, and that is mm. what I think of as as English. That's what I think of as as British. Um, uh, the fact that we are a mixing pot. Because it's it I, I guess where I was going was with the earlier thing is that we were invaded, yes, by the Anglo Saxons, but also by the Normans, yeah. by a lot of Germanic tribes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the like reason the Vikings. why look at look at the Vikings. Mm. I mean, um just uh just a point that I don't know many people don't actually know, but you know uh the Battle of Nor uh Battle of Normandy, ten sixty six no Battle of Hastings, ten sixty six, yeah? Yeah. Um, so we were invaded by the Normans then. Do you know that the mm. fall of the the Viking Empire, or the the fall of the Vikings, the end of the Vikings, happened a mere couple of weeks before that? Get out of town. In the Battle of Stamford Bridge, King Harold, um, mm. the last king of Norway, was killed mm. at the Battle of Stamford Bridge in England um, in 1066. Oh, wow, it's but because just, it's yeah, we re- we remember the other bit absolutely because like because we like it happened to us. Who cares if it happens to the North, happened to the to the Vikings? They invaded us. Who cares? But like because the Battle of Hastings happened to us, we were invaded, we were attacked, and we were the ones that suffered. Didn't our king get killed at battle? Um, uh, I can't remember his name now, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he wasn't got. It king, wasn't it King Harold? No, King Harold. As I said, King Harold was was that. No, it was because it was King Harold of Nor- Norway fighting with King Harold of England, and then King Harold of England battled the uh, Norman king who was that, um, and was shot in the eye, wasn't he? He was shot in the eye. Yeah. So yeah, but many people just like, completely overlook the fact that literally, as I said, two weeks before Battle of Ten Sixty Six, the Battle of Hastings of Ten Sixty Six, there was a Battle of. Stanford Bridge, which ended an entire Viking race, shall we say, for lack of a better term. I know Viking, we've all got Viking blood in us now, and, and of course the Norse are still very much a, a strong bloodline. Um, so they still exist, but that royalty, that royal line, shall we say, ended um, mm. just two weeks before the Battle of Hastings. That's interesting. Okay, well, I, I don't want to go too far over, but like, there's a lot of topics here. One thing I did want to actually ask you, because I've I've got answers for these my, myself. Yeah, go on. Um, who is your favourite ruler in history? Or favourite, I guess, I, I guess if we'll use the term king, emperor, I don't know, emir or whatever you want to call it, even like if it was a pharaoh, go for a pharaoh. But like, who was your favourite historical ruler? I think my favourite historical ruler, if I was going to go with anyone, um, once again, I, I steep myself in mythology. I do believe there is a lot of truth in mythology. And I think if I'm going to go with any um, ruler in time, mm-hmm. it would be King Arthur. 
Well, yeah, okay, yeah, he's a he's he's a famous one, isn't he? Yeah, and you know he was Welsh. You know Camelot itself, like it is, the, it is all that. It's that side of it's that side of the country, isn't it? Um, or the 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 uh, island. They're very proud of that, and rightly mm. so. Mm. Rightly yeah. so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have no doubt there was truth in that. I mean, the fact that I don't know this is I know this is like a bit off topic, but you know that um, Hitler. Um, actually started to look for the Holy Grail based on the mythology, mythology of King Arthur and his knights because I think um, one of his knights, I can't remember his name, began with a G, I believe. Um, was it Galahad? Galahad? I think it might have been Galahad. He actually looked for the Holy Grail um, and it's said that he found it, looked upon it and was turned to stone and died on the spot. Um with a look of bliss on his face because he'd looked upon the thing he'd saw. And that was um, something that Hitler used when he was um, searching for the Holy Grail himself because he wanted weapons that no one else had. Um, but that's another topic for another day. Um, uh, you, you, again, like the, you hear all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. You know, there's a... Ah, uh, no. No, okay, I've got stuff to talk about on that one, but we'll, we'll touch upon that another day. But King Arthur, another to answer day. your question, King Arthur, I think King it was Arthur. absolutely cool. fantastic. His 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 uh, mythological story um, has always entranced me ever since I was a child. Oh, the the whole round table thing when most tables are square, the fact that the idea of if you're one of my knights, if you fight with me, then you are my equal, so the round mm. table... The fact that he was, you know, like very much a warrior king is always going to grab your, grab your attention. Growing it's up, it's also yeah. it comes from the days of the brigands, doesn't it? The day the blue men that used to rule, um, or like with the tribal, the tribal force that were on the U, on the islands of the UK before, um, before the Romans came, um, and there was so much mythological like magic, like the druids and things like that as well, which kind of adds that other element of um, mm. magic, I suppose, for lack of a better, oh, ab- better term. Well, absolutely, mysticism. Mm, mysticism exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. For, lack, for lack of, I don't mean to undermine anyone. If you are listening to this and you are a druid, I don't mean to undermine you here. But also like the idea of mysticism, glamour, any of that lot. Kind yeah, of really, absolutely. Really adds to it. Yeah, yeah, like any, so much. Anything that is half remembered or forgotten um, is always has that element of interest to it. It's it's kind of sad that if you want something to be seen as uncool, or if you want people to lose interest in something, teach it at a school. You know, but <laughs> that's a, again, that's another. <laughs> I hate to say it, that's another topic for another thing, yeah. and again. I don't mean to insult any educators there, but the moment something is the status quo or seem to be the status quo. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it, I, th- I think we're going to cover a lot that will make people question yeah. what they, they grew up learning. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily I, I, for the wrong reasons. I think uh, there's no. nothing wrong with teachers teaching those things. That is no. the way it is. But, I mean, you come back to... Um, the the cancer law where doctors are only allowed to treat what they're told they can use to treat so um that in itself is is school isn't it it's you're only allowed to teach what you're told you're allowed to teach whether you know something else to be true whether a circle is a circle like that is what you're told therefore that's what you will teach um like just just as you were a barista and uh well done for working that up i spent 12 years on tables uh, mm. never got to the barista bit but sorry that's another story for another <laughs> time um 
I I did work in a school, and that is exactly as it is. You are told to put elements of yourself, like you leave quite a lot of yourself at home, um, or you leave quite a lot of it in your car when you walk into that building. Yeah. Um, but like again, also there are elements of that which is fair enough. Like you're not allowed to put your own views on other people. I completely agree with that. However, the fact that you're not allowed to even admit to certain views or to talk about certain views um, even is something if, which... Even if you know there to be more basis for fact in that perspective, yep. um, there's, yeah, yeah, you're not allowed yeah. to. You're not allowed to. It's not the. It's not the. High, it's not the uh, mainstream view. Therefore, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's. It's kind of interesting that. Um, oh, so it was weird. I went to this art show about ten years ago, and um, this woman was like um, sharing a poem that she'd writ written, um, and like. Up until the point where she said, I am a strong black woman, I agreed with everything everything she was saying. And she was talking about how everyone's free to be whoever they are, as long as it's not themselves. Um, and she was kind of talking about how everybody needs to take, you know, everybody has to give up elements of them of themselves of their own culture or of their own beliefs in order to partake in society as a whole um i don't know I, all right like ah sorry that's an oh, that's a whole other thing for a whole other time but no uh, i completely agree though i do completely like agree. Uh, well, and as i said that's okay. a subject that we can uh, we can cover in a later a later okay, podcast I've got, I've got a couple of statements which will come out with a, at a later point and mm. discuss discuss those which kind of summon summon those up um really back quickly like glad to know that your favorite thing is king arthur my favorite ruler was a uh was the king of Ma uh mali um back i think in sometime it was quite early on but it was like sometime between 1200 and 1500 mm -hmm. and the reason why he's my favorite ruler is because he, like first off he was a ruler a ruler and a philosopher um, yep. So, like Eva, he paid a load of poets to come out with some really good shit, and that is still being peddled today. Or he genuinely did write some really good stuff, uh, like just some really basic advice. Like the most valuable thing you can give someone is their time, or sorry, is your time um, and attention. And he wrote a load of really good stuff. What I love about him as well is he was the richest man in the world at the time. Yeah. To the point where his net worth was way beyond Bezos, way beyond anything we've got today. And it's it's to the point where uh, he was a devout Muslim. He um, went on a pilgrimage and took God knows how many servants with him. And But this is the thing that I like. He was He was a devout Muslim. And he gave money to the poor wherever he went. However, because he was incredibly wealthy and didn't necessarily know what was an appropriate amount to give or what would be, you know, what would give um, the, the local economy a boost, he actually caused every town that he went through 
to have an economic collapse <laughs> because he'd give them so much gold. <laughs> he gave them he gave them so much gold, gold became worthless. Uh, At that point, money became because worthless. Because obviously, At scarcity point... creates value, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I know it's such a cruel and horrible thing, but what I like about that is that throughout history, you get people who cause disasters because they're seeking power. Yeah. Because they're seeking control because they're seeking dominance whereas he called he caused disasters because he was being generous and kind <laughs> yes exactly exactly that exactly that and it's just oh you've um, got to love it, it well yes and that's and that's why he's one of that's why he's it's just the irony my favorite. but i was it's, trying it's, to help <laughs> exactly exactly like he just yeah he oh yeah. Um, in fact, don't like, you know um, how but... the economy works, man? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the annoying thing is he he obviously uh, did he... because he was incredibly rich. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's just like, yeah, maybe that was his ploy. As... Maybe that was his ploy. Um, well, he, I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping it's not because <laughs> it's just like, in which case, then I think it might be one of the first successful on mass things of. As on mass examples of financial warfare, yeah, and using money as a weapon. I don't think it was though. I no. think it genuinely I think it was, just was naivety, a, a little yeah, bit exactly. Of naivety, yeah. Um, a man who's absolutely plastered in gold more than Mr. Incredible. T, yeah, incredible. not realizing <laughs> that giving someone one of his gold chains is going to destroy the power structure within that community. Yeah. You know, absolutely um, amazing. Like it, but it's it's also the fact that these this was a long term effect. The value of gold did not return in Cairo until several hundred years after it had been there. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of how much he must have given away. Like it makes me wonder: Did people have a golden spoon? Did everyone in a, in the villages where he went through have golden spoons because they'd melted it down to try and? just make it use it as stuff but anyway sorry he's my favorite uh he was yeah an amazing person and the just the fact that um outside of story stories of saints or or like almost godly warriors just having a bloke who tried to do their best and it went tits up uh i kind of can relate to that um, not that I'm a rich man and not that I'm nearly good enough, not that I give to charity nearly as much as that, but like just just the story. I just I see it's a good story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I think I want to uh, obviously we're going to round off a little bit. I just want to finish off with uh, one more thing that I had, um, which I wanted to just go over my the, the top three. And this is this is. Um, uh, the top three, um, the top three mad kings or queens. With the main, the, the top three kings because they are they are kings or leaders, shall we say, male leaders, um, uh, of of history. Okay, so the top Brilliant. three most. Um, are we talking about like insane? Gen in in uh, and are we talking about insane in uh insane terrible. decisions or terrible okay just terrible people so okay. um third on the list which i thought was quite interesting that he stood out uh third given who he is was ivan the terrible ivan four of russia uh -huh. <clears throat> um 
He's, he's got literally the the title, the terrible. He, yeah, I mean, he was a terrible, terrible person. As in, like it says here, um, his main fault was his unstable temperament, which manifested itself in bouts of rage and cruelty. Um, and he would, uh, he accidentally killed his own son um, by hitting him over the head with a pointed staff, because that was going to go well. Um, uh, he, anybody that opposed him, he would kill instantly. Um, and eventually, um, yeah, I think that literally, um, yeah, that brings to light kind of the things you were saying earlier about, uh, if you lift someone up all of their life, mm. yeah, I mean, then they're, they're going to go wrong. Yeah. Um, he was, as I said, like, as the name implies, he was terrible. Like people genuinely, mm. he didn't lead he didn't lead with love. He led with fear and people were terrified of that bloke. Genuinely yeah, terrified. Like, like you hear the King is coming. It's not, a, Oh yeah. great. Maybe we can get stuff done. It's a, Oh yeah. shit. Hide. Everyone hide. Yeah. Um, yeah. so second on the list is actually two leaders, but because they're so closely related, I thought I would put them onto one. Um, and related as in one is the son of the other. Um, however, they were rulers of different countries. Um, so you had okay. Charles the Charles the Sixth of France, okay. who was known as the Beloved. However, at the age of thirty-two, he started to suffer bouts of insanity, where he killed four of his own knights and attacked his brother, and then would have continual bouts of insanity going forwards, which would lead to him having numerous outbursts and killing other people, and became known as the Mad King. And this, they believe, was due to, um, as is rife within royal bloodlines, it was due to um, like incestuous, um, incestuous. I was wondering if, if we were gonna if we were gonna touch upon that yeah. because um, I know the most uh, inbred person in history was, I think it might have been Charles the Second of Spain. Mm. Um, he was the the last of the Hamburg line, yeah. who had been um, marrying cousins to cousins, aunts to niece, uh, aunts to nieces, uncles to nephews, and they'd been doing that all the time. Yeah. And when they looked back at his this guy's um, family tree, yeah, like they realised that his own, stick. well, yeah, family. Well, that's exactly it. He <laughs> is in fact more more inbred than somebody who had than a, a brother and a sister yeah if a brother and a sister had Absolutely. like they they i don't even know how that's that's possible to get more inbred than that but i guess it's generational it's i mean if you if look you at get... there's a there's a i think it's called charts or useful charts or something like there's a website somewhere where they actually have done the uh the the um kings and queens of the UK or, or of Britain since Anglo-Saxon since Charlemagne I believe it was um, mm. and it goes like oh there's this line that carries on and then this person has a son and then then like down the line you're like oh but then they married that person who was actually the, the granddaughter of this person back here and was connected to this person by four different bloodlines um, mm. but and another interesting fact of course is the fact that do you know um, your your niece or your nephew, you share twenty five percent of their DNA. Yeah, um, you share twenty five percent of your core DNA, um, which is why um, 
and people are like, oh, what about like cousins and second cousins? Between you and your second cousin, you share less than 1% of your DNA. So it's not very distant that it has to go before you're then safe, like biologically, to mm. like, like to re like to to breed, shall we say, and not have that um, risk of, of insanity of insanity through through being inbred. So yeah, you just have to look at like general maths. I suppose it's quite obvious that if you're that closely related to to your I suppose spouse in some ways, um, then you're gonna you're gonna cause problems because you're not actually bringing enough diversity into your DNA, which now we know is a massive thing. But obviously back then they didn't. They just they just wanted to keep the bloodline pure. Um, oh, they wanted to keep the wealth within yeah, a single yeah, household and yeah. not, not it's, share it. It's human nature, yeah. isn't it? It's human nature. It's quite big in all cultures, I think, is keeping money where money is um, and power where power is. But anyway, Charles VI actually had a son. Um, his name was Henry VI. Um, and Henry VI was actually the leader in the War of the Roses. Um, and uh, I'm sure you know about the War of the Roses. It was one of the bloodiest times in English England's history. Um, and he also was quite an insane king due to his father's incestuous behaviour and his intern. Um, but I'll move on to the most insane ruler of all time. Number one on the list is. I'll take some guesses. You go on. Go on. You can have it. You can have it. I've, I've now. I've now. I've now said it. So I'm yeah. now. King Xerxes. Xerxes. No. Of, of Greece. No. Okay. Um. I can think of a lot of bad kings, but I can't actually... Well, let's not say king. Okay, was it Vlad the Impaler? No, terrible. Terrible, terrible but okay. no, not him. This okay. is someone that um, I think quite possibly is... I mean, I, I've read quite a lot about this bloke over time, and uh, yeah, genuinely, it, it deserves to be number one on this list. Right, okay. It wasn't... Um... Uh, what was the last King of France's name? No, it wasn't the King of France. Was that king? It wasn't King no. Louis. Was it King Louis? No, it wasn't King Louis, no. Damn it. All right, I'm going to give up. Who was it? It was the Emperor Caligula. Yes. So Caligula was so insane. He used to kill men for sport, just for fun. He would have intercourse with his own sisters he was demanding people to worship him as a god. And he absolutely plummeted his own empire into financial crisis. The bloke was insane. And eventually he was assassinated. So um, he got what was coming to him, I suppose. <laughs> uh, good old Joffrey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um... Uh, sorry, I've I've held back on on those throughout this whole no, conversation just because you know I don't want to, I I do want this to genuinely be about facts rather than about fiction. But it's just like yeah, there's only so far you can push people. Yeah, like to be fair, a lot of good rulers get killed mm. because people disagree with them. Like you know, how much of a dick do you have to be before people who 
were for you are against you. Yeah. I mean, you had, I mean, he wasn't necessarily a ruler, but he was certainly a leader in a man, of a man. Um but Martin Martin Luther King, of course, one of the most prolific um assassinations. Um mm. and well, as I, I said, he I wasn't the, a ruler. I love the fact that it's his his like full title was Dr. Reverend. Yeah. Like he was a was he a doctor or was it English literature or he had a doctorate. Mm-hmm. He was a practicing minister. Like, yeah, like he yeah. did some amazing stuff, and yeah. he, yeah, he got killed because of institutional racism, uh, justifying people thinking that they're better than other people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And final point, I just want to go over this. As the final point, and this is the last last thing that we'll be we'll be saying on this podcast. Podcast, but do you know what the uh, the the rule of the rule of separation by seven is? Isn't that you? You in fact are connected to everyone else in the world by seven degrees of separation. Yeah. So yeah. So there's always. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm gonna count with my fingers here. You know someone who knows 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 someone. someone. Yeah. And through that connection, you are connected to everyone else, everyone else in the world. Yeah. Which is crazy when you think about it, because it means that if you rob someone, like especially if it's in your, if you're in your local area, it's going to be what, like three or four. Mm hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's not yep. going to go all the way to yep. seven. Exactly that, exactly that. And the main thing there, of course, is you might be quite a recluse and only know two or three people, but within three or four separations, you'll reach what we call a hyper-social point where somebody mm. knows a lot of people, and that's where it goes massive, you know. But the main reason why I bring up the, the degrees of separation is because um, your your family tree, if you go backwards through your family tree, you go to your... you have. Your mum and dad. So there's one goes into two, yeah? And then mum yeah. and dad have mum and dad. So then two goes into four, yeah? And so on and so forth. It's exponential. And it genuinely does escalate, like, very quickly, you know? Um, so the reason I'm saying this is because if you trace your own genetics, and it's the same with myself, and it's the same with nearly everybody, I would say, as a matter of fact, I would say hands down, everybody in the UK. If you trace your heritage all the way back, you are connected to Charlemagne. Which means, in turn, you are royalty. I see what you mean, yeah. So, where does royalty come from? Royalty is you. And I think a lot more people in the world would do well to think of themselves in a better light. I can't argue with that point. That's That's a very positive point and a good thing to end on. Well, thank you very much, all of you, for listening. Um, And until next time, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Take care, guys. Bye.